In this show, Robin and Arjuna try to figure out who the hell they are. <laughs> Tune back in after an hour when they haven't figured it out. From Outface Productions, this is Listening Glass. So, Robin, what kind of person are you? Are you trying to put me in a box again? I just feel like you're always trying to trap me. I'm just trying to get you under the incisive grasp of my classification. I'm already in your room with the door locked. What else do you want? (laughs) You're already capturing my voice. Now you want my soul? So ask the question again. All right. All right. So if someone, if I were to ask you, Robin, what kind of person are you? Mm -hmm. How would you choose to answer that question? Reluctantly. (laughs) okay so you're a reluctant kind of person (laughs) only in that context right yes you're you are you are a resistant to being classified kind of a person exactly yeah yeah which i am too and i think it's what made the uh choice of topic for today particularly interesting Mm -hmm. to me let's just get the cat out of the bag we are talking about personality testing and it's something that's kind of been... Did you just hear the collective sigh? I know, right? <laughs> oh, God. Another hour of this. But it's really been up a lot lately. I feel like there's been this kind of explosion mm-hmm. in like personal development and professional development circles. It's not like this has never happened before. I think there have been like various booms and busts in personality testing like there have been everywhere else. But mm. I have definitely noticed... It's like now everyone knows what their Myers-Briggs is. You know what I'd be more interested in? Not to like undersell our topic here, because stay tuned. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know what would make a better podcast, man? (laughs) A better topic. I would be more interested in personality profiling my cat than I would be myself. But that there you go. Not that I'm not interested in myself. I'm highly infatuated, of course, but (laughs) (laughs) But that would just be too much of an ethical transgression, right? To personality profile my cat. Yeah, because at least you you consent to doing it, right? Whereas I love cat putting does not. cats in boxes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> cats love putting themselves in exactly. boxes too. <laughs> exactly, they want it. You're like, is this a box loving cat or a not box loving cat? Mm-hmm. All right, test over, test <laughs> test complete. So, in preparation for this show, Robin and I did a couple of personality tests Mm -hmm. which we will get to in a little while Mm -hmm. why don't we talk about our initial impressions of personality testing oh god you want to start there (laughs) yeah yeah just because i think you know i I think we've already let that cat out of the bag actually (laughs) i suppose so well well let me let me talk about it for a little while so i am definitely i think overall like an anti-authoritarian kind of a personality. I feel defiant. I don't like to be classified. I think the thing about the personality test, which I don't like, is mm-hmm. I don't like the idea that people are going to draw conclusions about me based on a thing that I do that I don't agree with, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I want some manner of control over like how I'm perceived. Or if I like if I am going to be assessed I want to feel confident that the assessment is going to match my estimation of who and how I am, Mm. right? And so Mm. I've been really skeptical about personality tests because I have just felt like they weren't going to do that. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, but by and large, my experience taking them has borne that out to Mm -hmm. some degree. I feel like they're only capturing parts of the equation, or I feel like a lot of personality tests just aren't really subtle enough. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely (laughs) agree with you. I kind of, maybe I'll wait to air my opinion on on these exactly. But basically, I I feel similarly is is how I'll put that currently. Right. So, okay, let's just do like a little bit of groundwork here before we dive into the specifics. So I was, you know, reading the Wikipedia article like you do in the 21st century before you... On the Myers-Briggs? On personality testing. Oh. Right. Okay. So the obligatory podcast Wikipedia article reading. Yep. And this Wikipedia definition struck me and I really liked it. Uh-huh. So the definition is a personality test is a method of assessing human personality constructs. 
So right there, even in that definition, we have this kind of, it almost feels like an indictment, right? Or, or it's just the acknowledgement that we're making it all up. Personality, ladies and gentlemen, is a myth. <laughs> Ooh, hot take. Explain a little bit. Um, I don't have anything to say. Yeah. No, I mean, I just... actually, I thought of that when I was in the shower, when I was thinking about this, just to purely inflame people. Nice. But also, I was thinking about it in along those lines. Yeah. Right. When, when we hear the term construct, my mind jumps to, okay, just how vacuous is this? Right. Right. Or just right. how manufactured is this? Yeah. How baseless is it? Right. Yeah. And I hope I get more insight into it over the mm -hmm. course of our conversation, because mm -hmm. for me, I'm still a little bit undecided about the concept of personality itself. Sure. Right. And, sure. and how do we think of it? And what are we what are we actually measuring with it? Right. Mm -hmm. In different contexts, too, which I think is like one of the boldface words for me is context. Context. Yeah. Right. Because yep. there's so many different contexts. I mean, personality, first of all, is a social trait. Do we have personality when we're sitting in a room by ourselves? That's mm -hmm. maybe my first question. Mm -hmm. Oh, when we're asleep, right? Or, we're <laughs> yeah. or when we're dreaming or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's an innately social idea. And so it has to do with how you interact with and think about and respond to other people, right? Yeah. And so in that way, when we talk about personality, we're basically talking about whether or not somebody is easy to get along with, or are they combative? Mm. Are they pleasant? Mm. Or are they kind of rough? It's like that kind of stuff. It has to do more with a dynamic than it does maybe with who somebody actually is. Mm, okay, I see um, what you're saying. That dynamic depends on what the basis of the relationship is, as well as just kind of like how two people might click or not click, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's it, right? Because you'll get two people talking about someone else and one person will say oh that person's super friendly mm -hmm. i had a great conversation with them last tuesday we talked about x y and z yeah and then the other person will say man they've always been really cold to me mm -hmm. you know i mm -hmm. thought they were mm -hmm. like stuck mm -hmm. up and and whatever and yeah. so you this just happened to me today oh okay right yeah <laughs> not that exact same like comparison but i was talking uh, to someone and hearing hearing some like in like how they felt about another person who used to be a big part of my life and i was like right. Oh, it's really interesting that like they're behaving that like way, or at least that you're be perceiving them to behave that way. Yeah, it's a different take. Yeah. Right? So I think you're right. I mean, the, I think what you're highlighting here is the subjective nature of human relationships mm -hmm. and the fact that so much of what is perceived to be personality is kind of these stories that we tell about each other, right? Okay. And these stories that we tell ourselves. So for me, that's one of the first flaws of personality testing is that often it, you can do it in basically one of two ways where someone takes an assessment themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Or when someone else or someone else's are assessing someone's behavior. Right. Both of these have their flaws because as we know a lot of times there are things about ourselves that we don't know mm -hmm. there are also things that only we know about ourselves that nobody else knows about ourselves in and there are also things we think we know about ourselves but we're actually wrong about exactly <laughs> so there's the known knowns and there's the unknown knowns and then the unknown unknown no anyway but <laughs> it's got some donald rumsfeld up in here <laughs> But even when you start thinking about this, it starts to highlight the difficulty, right? The difficulty of how would I design a test that really captures somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And what am I even trying to capture? Is it yeah. their fundamental essence? Is it just who they are at a party? Yeah. Is it just who they are at work? It's funny because we first start learning and thinking about this stuff in high school and we take psychology class or in college mm -hmm. or whenever it is. Mm -hmm. At first, I'm like, science is cool. Science can figure this out. And we can do these assessments and figure out kind of who people are, right? Mm, mm -hmm. And then I, I feel like I'm at this age now where I, I see how delusional people are in general, <laughs> possibly including myself, yeah. like probably, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. I, I, we Robin, all, you're delusional. Like, I, don't, I, I don't have any delusions <laughs> about my own delusions. How about that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I definitely... I have enough doubt in my own self-perception. Like I, I don't, I don't trust anyone else's self-perception either. And and sometimes when people are like really sure, when people are most sure of things, I'm like my bullshit meter goes highest. <laughs> yeah, I think certainty is a symptom of narrow-mindedness.
But when I was reading about this, I came upon something which is called the lexical hypothesis. Okay. okay? This is pretty cool. So it's defined by two postulates. The first states that those personality characteristics that are important to a group of people will eventually become part of that group's language. Basically, what it's saying is that you take a group of people, over time, they will figure out what personality traits, what behaviors, what subjective experiences of each other matter to them within the context of their interaction, and that those will become a part of their shared language, mm -hmm. okay? The second follows from the first, and it states that more important personality characteristics are more likely to be encoded into language as a single word, okay? Mm, so wow. what they're saying is that people will distill these personality concepts into a word. So that could be like kind, friendly, rude, stinky. So I resist going too far down the language rabbit hole because I feel like there's this whole, there's been so much discussion, I would say in the past 10 years about how language shapes reality. And it's not that I disagree with that, but I think sometimes people go a bit far with it. Mm. So they start talking about how like language creates culture and language mm -hmm. creates mm -hmm. um, the ways that we interact with each other. Mm -hmm. and, um, language creates social norms. Mm -hmm. And I, I think people maybe get a little bit too chicken in the egg -y with it. Like, mm. I think, uh, in my opinion, is that language ultimately still is more a reflection of a culture than a creator of a culture, right? Mm. And I would say that the lexical hypothesis somewhat supports that notion. Mm -hmm. I guess I just want to unwrap that a little bit. Yeah. Where culture is something that everyone who exists on the planet right now has both inherited and also maybe help shape a little bit. Sure. But all of us are less than 100 years old or so. Mm. And so all of us had to learn a significant part of culture through language. That's true. And mm -hmm. so l language is the vehicle of culture. But at the same time, the language that we adopted and learned was an outgrowth of previous culture, more or less directly, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's that's my take on it, right? Is yeah. it yeah. They've well, they've there's a feedback between them. There is. Right. There is. Yeah. And I mean language is absolutely essential mm -hmm. to culture, right? It's just that I feel like sometimes people take it a little bit too far or like there's this idea that you like create reality with your language. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like your language often reflects your reality. I find I was more fond of those ideas when I was younger, mm -hmm, right? right? Where I, you get these ideas where it's like, well, you know, this is all just determined by culture, all of our values and everything we're doing and what's important. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I can just create my own personal culture. Exactly. I can just change my language and I can just change my culture. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like it's, I, it's profound. I recognized when I was learning about this stuff, the key concept for me, was the idea of internalization mm. and that culture isn't a movie on Netflix that you can choose to watch or not to watch. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. millions of phenomena that you're exposed to every day and you can choose to filter out some of it. We do have some control, but not nearly as much as I used to think I wanted or mm. thought I could have. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's we end up more subject to our culture and mm. maybe more subject to our biology, more subject to our upbringings than we at first thought, perhaps. So, okay, so there's the lexical hypothesis, just covering the importance of language and all of this. One of the earliest people who we remember now who was talking about personality was Hippocrates. And he came up with these four types of temperaments that he outlined. They were called sanguine, phlegmatic, or phlegmatic, however you pronounce that word, choleric, and melancholic. Oh wow! Okay. And so these were oh, kind man. of um, these were kind of medical classifications that he extrapolated out as being personality traits as well. This was Aristotle. Wait, no, wait, this was Hippocrates. They're all the same. Yeah. Right. I know. Dead. Dead white men. So just like a brief overview, the sanguine type is. Let me guess. Okay. Sanguine is like blood. Blood. Passionate. Yeah. Well, so he, he said it was closely related to emotional stability and extroversion. So I guess, yeah, 
you know it's kind of like um, no passionate i wouldn't say that's the same as passionate really i, I would say extroversion Extra- and passion kind of high, maybe go together high, okay all right okay okay so let's try the next one phlegmatic chronic cold symptoms <laughs> okay okay you're onto something like phlegmatic uh poor pippin is kind of like related to being stable and introverted was kind of his thing like a phlegmatic person was more likely to be like kind of stayed and maybe keep to themselves a little bit neutral maybe yeah maybe all right what about choleric eat a lot (laughs) i don't you know what i'm realizing is that we have lived in a time and in a context when cholera is just not really a thing oh they're they're dead yeah dead people dead people I suppose a lot of choleric people ended up being dead, yeah. So according to Hippocrates, choleric people were unstable and extroverted. Okay, and then how about melancholic people? What do you think that deal is? Um, They have hair that is full of melons and also very colicky. So we've got cholera and and colic. (laughs) I think you're failing this personality (laughs) test, Robin. (laughs) I'm failing my Latin. Yeah, your Latin right now. I know exactly. Your, your old dead white man exam. So the melancholic type is unstable and introverted. So your... it's stability and extroversion are the main. Exactly. Okay. So there's four personality. Okay. Right. So so he's got like these two spectra, right? From one end to the other, and then it's basically like a an X Y plot, right? Hippocrates. Which, so this which... is a guy who said you never step in the same river twice. Is that is was that hypocrisy? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was that was a smart and obvious acknowledgement that he made there. Do I get points back for dead white white men? You do. You do. <laughs> yeah. You're rising on the personality. <laughs> now at there. zero points. <laughs> So yeah, so Hippocrates came up with this stuff. Um, It obviously made an impact on people because it's still around. So we're going to get to like our first big personality testing methodology here, which is called the big five personality traits. Now, this is Mm. like a constellation of ideas about personality testing, which has been around for hundreds of years. Okay, so I don't know anything about this. It's basically a taxonomy for personality traits is Mm -hmm. what it is. So there's like species and genus yeah in a way yeah yeah yeah, in a way now it's been developed by a lot of various different like dead white men Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm not really going to go into the whole history of it Mm because it's just not very interesting to me but they identified these five factors okay and these were based on their observations of human nature the first one was openness to experience which they defined as inventive and curious versus consistent and cautious, all right? So already, it's like we're developed, we're, we're going further on this line of people being on a spectrum between one thing and another thing. I suppose there's like this idea that if you identify the core spectra of human experience and then you just plot someone on a graph on each one, mm-hmm. right? And then you can somehow aggregate that information into a profile that you know makes sense to you or whatever you know what i love i love that if you go get on your phone right now and you look up like a beer tasting app yeah there's more dimensions (laughs) to judge how a beer tastes than there are to categorize our personalities by a factor of like four. Oh, really oh yeah oh, there's wow. like like okay. most of these taste wheels have like anywhere from 12 to 20 i'll bet there's a lot of overlap <laughs> right like sweet and bitter right <laughs> well there's a lot of like right you're right right yeah because if you rate it a one yeah. on sweet then it's probably going to be high on bitter so that's right. kind of redundant right so they oh, have wait, wouldn't it be low on bitter if it was high on sweet well, oh, no, no, no. You said low on sweet, yeah. high on bitter, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. Yep, yep. With you. So, yeah, but it's maybe those could be reduced a little. But. Well, I was just thinking about if you examine the, the words used, right? Like the taxonomy used, like some of it would be applicable to human personality tests and some of it wouldn't, mm. right? Well, some of it, like flavors are really complex, uh-huh. much more complex than people. <laughs> uh, like floral. Floral, right? What is the opposite of that? fecal <laughs> like nutty <laughs> nutty i don't know like there's not really it's not on a spectrum it's just right. a thing it's something that exists on a spectrum from not there to some amount of there which for <laughs> personality tests it seems like so far 
there's like there haven't you're been, this right? thing or you're the opposite that's thing. true there are yeah. there polarities is yeah, what we're exactly really discussing right which is just like it's something interesting to note in general about how we want to create these dichotomies and mm-hmm. we want to create polarities mm-hmm. with opposites on either end a lot of this stuff isn't like is someone happy right <laughs> How happy are they? From zero happy to 10 happy. It's not like that. It's like you have like depressive or sad on the other end of it, right? I just love the idea that we're more picky about food than we are people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't put people in our mouth most of the time. Oh, come on. (laughs) Who are you kidding? (laughs) We're very picky about the people we put in our mouths. Maybe maybe not when we're children, but as we get older, we really... (laughs) develop a connoisseur level around it so okay so so that first factor is openness to experience right Mm -hmm. the second one is conscientiousness efficient and organized versus easygoing and careless i definitely get marks on the conscientiousness scale or or lack thereof i would say i scored the lowest percentage on the conscientiousness (laughs) Really? Um, with with the big five personality test. Oh, good yep. job. Yeah, but anyway. The third one is extroversion. So that's outgoing and energetic versus uh, solarity. I, I read it wrong. Solitary. Oh. Oh, okay. Solitary versus reserve. Got it. So yeah, my solarity. How <laughs> much like, like how much oh, like the sun this is am getting I? Eastern. Yeah, I yeah, know, right? Exactly. The fourth one is agreeableness. Friendly and compassionate versus challenging and detached or hmm. aloof. Mm-hmm. And the fifth one, which is important to measure, is neuroticism. Sensitive and nervous versus secure and confident. And that, that one gets into some like attachment psychology, right? Yeah. Which is like a thing that's really been studied a lot recently. Mm. People talk about attachment styles. Quick, quick side note. Yeah. Um, there's like a fifth factor that's been added into the Myers-Briggs, Ooh, right? right? So it's like yeah. INFP, blah, 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 whatever you have four. But then there's like dash. A or T. Yeah. And T is turbulent and A is assured, I mm. think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So it's it's like that. It's basically yourself your confidence mm-hmm. in yourself and your abilities and Yeah, it seems like at some point that this concept of like how nervous you are or how confident you are got introduced. Like people identified that as an important factor, right? Mm-hmm. And it yeah, it was probably coinciding with just this observation that people were making in like the second half of the 20th century that like a fair number of people were like nervous and neurotic and it just it makes me wonder whether it's like an epidemic of our time I hate or these not test. <laughs> just think about it like if if someone just walked up to you and said on a scale of one to a hundred how confident are you yeah. Like, how on earth do you even begin to answer that question, yeah. right? It's like, if you are surrounded by friends mm. and, like, people who love right. you. Like, and- doing an activity that you're the best in the room at, Exactly, right? right? <laughs> then you're like, oh, I'm totally an 8.5. Right? You know, exactly. Like, and on the other hand, if you're at a new job, yeah, at a pos- in a position you don't have a lot of experience in, and there's a bunch mm. of experts in the room and somebody asks you that question... Totally. You're a three, you know? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe you like woke up on the wrong side of bed that day. Exactly. Too, you know? So yeah, yeah. It, it, it's so subjective. It really is. Let's talk about the big five here. Here are the criteria again. Okay. You ready? Mm. We have openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll go first. Here's how I scored. Okay. You tell me you're on the first thing and I'll tell you mine. And okay. I'm going to make my score up because I didn't take this test. Oh, you didn't take the test. Well, this okay. is the big five, right? The big five. Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't take that. Oh, okay. All right. So so this is how I scored on the big five test. Yeah. All right. So my openness to experience, I got 94%. Holy shit. Which is like, ah, all Dude, right. Dude, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. Like, I've, I I feel like I've been struggling with, like, comfort lately. Yeah. Where, like, I've, I, like, stick to my comfort zone a little more mm. than is historic. Okay. for me yeah but maybe i just have totally wrong self-perception about that but i'm gonna go more toward the middle of the road for me and just say i'm around like uh mostly open but like not entirely so like 70 70 percent yeah. yeah okay interesting yeah i mean i'm surprised i feel like i am open to experience yeah but i'm i, I don't feel like one of those people who's like 
last week I did ayahuasca and this week I'm, you know, parasailing and the next week, okay. I'm, you know, I'm not like one of those yeah. kind of, but maybe that's huh. just like a, maybe that's a stereotypical assessment of, of what this really means. In this show, Robin and Arjuna try to figure out who the hell they are. <laughs> <laughs> Tune back in after an hour when they haven't figured it out, right? So, okay, my conscientiousness score, this is my lowest one okay. in the test. I got 48%, okay? So this is efficient, organized versus easygoing and careless. All Wait, right. what was the, the name again? Conscientiousness? Conscientiousness. I feel like I'm self-conscious. I don't know if that's the same. Like okay. con- conscientious or slash like concerned with doing it correctly, with doing things right is the way I think of that. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, how, how important to you is it that things get done in a particular way? I would, I would probably say you're pretty low on that too, right? Like, I've, I've experienced you to be, like, fairly... As long as the sausage gets made, I'm not yeah, like... particularly <laughs> caring about how, okay. it, how it gets made. Sure. Okay, so on the extroversion test, I got 77% which means that I am fairly outgoing and energetic versus solitary and reserved. Now here's, okay, this is where I really started to take issue. The first two, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. That could describe me, right? But this whole concept, again, this is a thing that's really in the common vernacular right now is whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Mm -hmm. And I've been having various conversations with friends about this, with my partner about this. She has strong ideas about where she is on that scale. And I've always struggled to relate to this a little bit Mm. because I feel both, okay? Mm. So when I am going out, and hanging out with my friends, Mm. then I feel very extroverted, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm at a party, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting people. I don't really have a problem being in new situations. Um, But the thing is, when I'm not doing that, a lot of times I just want to be left the hell alone, right? And so, like, it's just... Because you're over 30. I I guess so, right? (laughs) I guess so. But it's one of these things where I, to me, it just the usefulness of the dichotomy starts to fall away. I think you and I were talking about this, where one of our criteria for introversion versus extroversion was whether we got energy from talking to people yeah. or not, or hanging out with people. And so for me, when I feel drained, I mean, not always, but oftentimes if I've, you know, if things have been hard, I'm stressed, whatever, my best strategy for recharging is just chilling and being alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not always. If I'm feeling depressed because I've been alone too much, then maybe I recharge by connecting with people. But I would say by and large, I get most of my juice from my alone time. So I think that that's an interesting, I don't know, that's like what, what do you think about that? It's just insane that we're trying to like, like categorize ourselves according to these metrics it's just insane um the reason being for example let's say hypothetically you're a very likable person or yeah just hypothetically hypothetically yeah and that you have a lot of friends who care about you hypothetically Hypothetically. (laughs) that if you wanted to be like encouraged and supported that you could just like put out the slightest, like most subtle cue and people would be there to back you up. Just like affirming my identity. Totally. Every step just like whatever you need, we're there yeah. for you. Right. Yeah. So honestly, like that's the way I see it. It's like, if, if somebody, if, if you're having a bad day and you need to recharge and you have a bunch of supportive people in your life mm-hmm. that you feel, and it's not just that you have those people, but that you're willing to ask them. Mm. Or willing to reach out to them in some way mm-hmm. um, that you would you would call on them to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, let's say you move, let's say you you have those people, mm. but you move to a different city and your internet dies because it's the apocalypse, mm-hmm. and then you don't have anyone to call on. So like you have like things you do on your own to recharge, yeah, right? Like I just think that that whole idea of reaching out to people or doing a social thing to recharge versus doing something by yourself depends entirely upon your social dynamic, which again comes back to that definition we had of personality as being basically how you interact with people. Right. Right. Which I'm not totally sold on yet because some of this stuff is how we process and like approach things. Yeah. Just how we, how we decide to approach things, whether or not people are involved. Sure. But you, you have to admit though that like, 
There are certain people who are likely to be out partying multiple times a week versus other people who are more likely to be at home reading a book. This show is sponsored by Megan Brandenburg Design, your brand illuminated. Does your project or business need a more cohesive visual identity? Do your marketing materials need pizzazz? Megan is your go-to. She also offers apparel design, product packaging design, and motion graphics. Megan worked with us to design the Listening Glass logo, and we love the stunning result. Megan is on Instagram at Megan Brandenburg Design. Find the full link in the episode description. Let's get into Myers-Briggs, because that's a test that we've both done. Now, I just wanted to start with some very brief history on Myers-Briggs, because I thought it was interesting. As long as it's interesting history. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, the first thing was it was developed by a mother-daughter pair. The mother was Catherine Cook Briggs, and she began her research research into personality in 1917. Apparently, it was because... Captain Cook, take him to the brig. (laughs) Her stepson had like a markedly different personality than her own daughter. And she was curious about it. So um, she started to like look into personality. And then she discovered the work of Carl Jung. And he had speculated that people experience the world using four principal psychological functions, sensation, intuition, feeling and thinking. Jung also theorized that one of these four functions is dominant for each person most of the time. So that was a hot take from Carl Jung, Um, which, by the way, he he developed this impression just from his, you know, many thousands of hours of clinical experience and anecdotal experience, basically, Uh you know, with the people that he saw. So um, this was, you know, he didn't conduct like some wide study or something. He's interesting. Carl Jung was a very interesting fellow for sure. So her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, joined her mother's research. And over time, she kind of took it over entirely. An interesting thing about them was that neither of them was formally trained in psychology. Mm. So it's the first thing to know. In fact, wow. Myers, she was smart. She graduated first in her class from Swarthmore College. Um, in 1919 and she wrote a mystery novel which is called murder yet to come please (laughs) and she and she used this these theories about people's types in the novel and she won the national detective murder mystery contest that year i've heard of that (laughs) i've submitted to the national murder mystery contest (laughs) but they they don't call me back you know so so basically both of them were self-taught in the field which kind of made me feel a little skeptical. I've always felt a little skeptical around the Myers-Briggs test. I love non-psychologists doing psychology. It's just... And I love podcasts about that. Right? I love- yeah. When when non-psychologists doing a podcast about... Non- <laughs> we, we were sounding pretty professional until I told you that. But his interesting thing is that Myers actually went on to apprentice with a guy, Edward N. Hay who was, at the time, he was a personnel manager for a large Philadelphia bank. And she went on to start one of the first successful personnel consulting firms in the U.S., okay? That's a low bar. Right, when it's the first, I guess it has to be the most (laughs) successful. But kind of here's the rub for me, is that I feel like like personality testing is a huge industry, okay? This Mm. is I think our podcast would be incomplete if we didn't discuss this. And so there's basically a lot of money in the corporate sector <laughs> uh-huh. in like people hire people to come up with these stupid tests. Honestly, I think that's what this is all about. To, well, there's a lot of money in it, yeah. right? You know, they come up with all these tests about like, you're going to be this kind of employee versus that kind of employee. Personality tests are going to be the witchcraft of the 24th century. <laughs> the 24th century? Yeah. Nice. Okay. It's going to take a few hundred years. Yeah kind of catch on Mm -hmm. yeah but you know i mean uh, the implications of it are actually a little chilling like um i actually think it's ethically dubious to ask like a prospective employee to take a test i was recently asked by one of my clients to take a couple of these tests just to kind of get an assessment of how i was going to be to work with but i just like i felt a little bit like I don't know. It it felt a little bit like a transgression. You know what I mean? Like I didn't feel fully cool about it. What what manner did they ask you to do this? 
oh, it was just like, you know, oh, so we're going to start to work together. Um, I'd like to, you know, I'd just like to get your was test results. Was it via email for... or? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they said they just want to get us like a sense of who you are. Or... Yeah. And just how it's going to be to work with me. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like. And you were like, fuck off. <laughs> I mean, in, in my own way, I mean, I did it. But in my own way, I kind of felt that way because I just yeah. felt like, what are you going to decide about me? And, and how are you going to use that information? So it felt- is this a person that you're expecting to have a lot of collaboration and verbal communication with? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that kind of makes sense to me, right? Because, I mean, they're, they're trying to put you in a box 100%, mm-hmm. right? But they're trying to do it in order to figure out the most effective way to communicate with you. Well, maybe. What's the other option? Well, maybe they read the results of the test and they're like, this person uh, sounds too disorganized for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, this person's not. Well, I'm highly logical. So That's I need... really interesting. So like, did that affect the way you took the test? Thinking about your relationship with them? Well, it did a little bit, actually. Yeah. yeah, I was less likely to be honest about, you know, like being tardy or being disorganized or whatever. What, you know? what test did they ask you to take? So I took the Myers-Briggs test and the DISC test. They asked you to take both of them? Yes. That's Mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah. Is there a question about tardiness on one of those? I I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember. But but here's the thing. It's like, how much do you give a shit about people you work with? Well, (laughs) I think the personality tests suffer from the same thing that job (laughs) interviews suffer from, Mm -hmm. which is that like people are only going to be as honest as they feel comfortable being honest. Mm. So like every job interview roughly goes something like, how dependable are you? And then whether or not you feel like you're dependable, you just try to make the best case for yourself being dependable, right? Mm -hmm. And then they ask you, you know, questions to the effect of how good do you think you're going to be at this job? And these tests are fucking idiotic. Well, that's the thing is that like, regardless of, regardless of what's true for you, you're going to answer the test or answer the interview in a way that you feel like, gets you ahead in the situation okay right? okay this is a great segue and something we haven't talked about yet which is i let on me when i took these tests which was today yeah and i've taken them i've taken the myers-briggs a couple of times before but i wanted to make sure i knew what i classified as when you google it you can there's a lot of results right so the question is what is the actual test and what something i saw a lot of was myers-briggs based test oh okay okay so theoretically you and i and who knows what the hell the criteria are Mm -hmm. for having a myers-briggs based test let's say you and i start a company and we want to hire people and we want them to take a personality test we can put whatever fucking questions we want in that test and call it a myers-briggs based test like (laughs) well i I don't know how much do you hate british accents (laughs) How much, how tired of us are you going to be in a year? Uh, I, I don't know I, that, I no, guess no. what I mean is that's an interesting question. You, like, you what does probably, it mean to take the official test versus something that's yeah, based on those ideas? You, right? I mean, I'm sure that you need to clear certain bars if you want to be like a Myers-Briggs based Are test. you sh- like, really? Who knows? Like, what, who, or, like, knows? who decides that? That's true. And that's it, I, could, I could fire up a website tomorrow <laughs> with a Myers-Briggs based test. It's, you know? it's a good question. We should uh, get reply all on the case about that yeah yeah, yeah some, some real journalist yeah yeah real journalist exactly yeah well so okay so now that we're talking about myers-briggs let's talk about our results okay so cool. should we do, do one category at a time yeah and we'll compare them okay so robin why don't you tell me just tell me your your uh your letters okay like before we go any further well lay them on that's me. what i mean i was like okay so i'll tell you my first letter and then you tell me your first letter okay sounds good I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Sounds great. Okay. And, and the percentage, right? Yes. Okay. Well, yes, exactly. So for the first one, um, and this is called mind, quote unquote, it's the this trait determines how we interact with our environment and this extroverted versus introverted. Right. I'm 75% extroverted. So E. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm E to 61%. Oh. So this settles the question of which of us is more extroverted. Okay. Apparently you are. Okay. Which, you know, that doesn't surprise me. You know, you go out a lot. You have a lot of friends. I go out. You go on dates. I do that. Fair enough. Energy. The trait that shows where we direct our mental energy. And this is intuitive versus observant. 
So I'm 73% intuitive, or I. Hmm. Okay, I am 62% intuitive. Wow. So far, I'm like you, but just less so. I'm extreme. <laughs> I'm just less than you, Robin. <laughs> I'm the extremist I'm here. I'm like Robin, but not so Robin. So we're both EIs so far. Okay, we're so both far. EIs. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So third category is nature. Uh -huh. This trait determines how we make decisions and cope with emotions. Thinking versus feeling, how we deal with emotions. So I'm 61% feeling. Mm, okay, so I'm also feeling, but I've got you beat here. I'm 79% feeling. Oh! Just all by feel, baby. Yep, bring the feel. All right, so we're both EINF still. Uh, EI, well, EIF. No, no. EIF, yes, yeah, thank okay. you. Yes. Okay. okay, EIF, damn, we're like... 75% the same so far. I mean, yeah. at least in terms of category. Yeah. Like what side of the split we land on. So just to contrast it, we could be I, O, is really? Do they call it O, the observant? I've never heard that. I, O, like I've never heard of it. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. Everyone what, is like I don't know what the letters they intuitive. give you are. If you... No, no. I guess because the is N. N is N. intuitive, yeah. So wait, what's observant then? I don't know. Because I, I didn't get that result on my test. Yeah, I mean, okay, whatever. So the fourth one is tactics. This trait reflects our approach to work, planning, and decision-making. You can be judging or prospecting. And I am 74% prospecting. You're 74% prospecting. All right, I am also prospecting. I'm 63% okay. prospecting. Yeah, so I'm more extreme on this one again. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. but still the same. The same. Same letter. Mm -hmm. So we're yeah. both INFPs. But ENFPs. ENFPs, right? thank yep. you. Yep. And then sometimes they tack on this fifth one. It's additional how neurotic. It's like a dash. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Did you get a score for this one? I did. I was T. I was turbulent. Oh, God. So we're the same person. We're the same. Oh, my God. We got the same thing. <laughs> oh, no. And we both have the same name, which is kind of hilarious. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. We really are the same person. You know what? I'll bet that my Myers-Briggs result is closer to yours than your own twin brother's is. Ooh, how much do you want to wager on that? I'll wager five bucks. Okay. Okay, all right. I'll take that. Yeah, okay. Coming in the next show. Coming in the next show, we'll, we'll find <laughs> out. So what, what was your turbulence score? 58% turbulent. Mm, okay, see, I'm 75% turbulent. Yep. And so. that's turbulent versus assertive, so... Yeah. This is basically the confidence measure on this test. It's called identity. It says this trait underpins all others, showing how confident we are in our abilities and decisions. What's really interesting is 58 versus 42. If that were an election, it would feel like a landslide. But when you're talking about personality traits, it's like, eh. It's just... It's like a, a little bit more. Yeah, you're you just know? on a spectrum, right? Right. Yeah. But either way, you end up with a letter or not. Right? You're yeah. either on one letter or the other letter. It could be 5149. Yeah. And there you are, like in a category. Totally. So there should be like a 5% middle ground, like 45 to 55% that's just like neutral. So what do we learn about this? This uh, website, it was 16personalities.com that we took this one on. Mm. It told me that I am a diplomat. It says that my role is a diplomat. And it said oh. that my strategy is social engagement. Really? Which I'm guessing is what you got too, because we were you a campaigner? Um, was I a campaigner? Because like, oh I, yes, I am. Yep, yep. they yep. called me a campaigner. Yeah, we're exactly. The same. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so whatever of that 16 means. Sixteen categories we could have fallen into. Yeah, we we both ended up in the same one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here's one of the things that I was annoyed by with the Myers Briggs test mm. is that. It asked me the same kinds of questions over and over again, and it just phrased them slightly differently. Right. And sometimes it would ask you a question positively, and then it would ask you a question negatively. I love that the subtext to that whole strategy is like, oh, the first time right. we ask them this question, like they might try to pull some hijinks and trick us, yes. but we're going to so ask them it again, but we're going to flip two of the words around. Right, exactly. <laughs> And it's just so, <clears throat> that was one of the things that I, I started objecting to in taking these tests was that I, I could start to peer into the methodology of how the test was designed. Yeah. And I just was so over it. You yeah. know, I was just like, man, fuck your test. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the weaknesses of these personality tests is like, <laughs> if you're taking a test and you, and especially a test which is designed to analyze you, right? Mm -hmm. 
And if you figure out what the analysis is and you figure out how to game the test, then in my opinion, the test has failed. Right. And so we were talking about this, about how these tests need to have some kind of internal measure of how successful they're being mm -hmm. with you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think that the, the Myers-Briggs test, certainly the 16 personalities version, I think it failed me because mm -hmm. in the middle of the test, I started to figure out what they were testing and I didn't want to be tested right. that way. It, it should be a lot more subtle. Like it what, what was your favorite Power Ranger? Such a great question. Yep. I think, you know, it should be like 20 questions. I think the personality test should be that they should just assemble a bunch of your friends. You know what? We could create our own Myers-Briggs-based personality test and ask the <laughs> right should. questions. We should. It'll be, which Backstreet Boy are you? What was your favorite Power Ranger? <laughs> um, you, you know, know what, pa dude? Pa Paps or Corona. No kidding. Right? I know a guy in town who like designs these like click clickbaity personality tests oh, really? that go on social media sites nice. and it's like all that kind of stuff nice yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah that probably says more about me than you know the myers-briggs does we don't have psychology degrees which i think makes us qualified to write personality test we're right in the correct <laughs> bracket <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about this DISC test finally, because this is another big thing that's been around for a while. This was the one that I was least impressed with, to be honest. All right, so backing up, like DISC is like a very work-oriented test, right? It's it like is. You want to be able to figure out who on your team in the workplace, yeah. what their personalities and like collaboration styles are basically, yes. right? And that is because, so, okay, the person who originally was kicking around the idea was a psychologist named William Moulton Marston, okay? Say that again. So there was a psychologist named William Moulton Marston, uh, three names, and he kind of identified, yeah. he identified these different traits, um, four of them, dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness, which disc when you put them together they make the term disc and he made you know this like round thing that looks like a disc you can tell already about william Moulton marston what he thought was clever <laughs> but what you're picking up on here robin is that along Wait, i'm picking up on something in 1956 a guy named walter clark who is actually an industrial psychologist whoa he constructed an assessment. See, that sounds like a real job. Yeah. Well, he, he was he was basically like these other people, but he worked in, you know, industry instead of just as a lone wolf, right? So I would I, would, I just imagine there's like some logger and like a like a mill in town who's just like <laughs> the old wise dude with like a gray goatee who's like yeah. calls himself the industrial psychologist, but anyway. Yeah. He's like <laughs> he's like that guy, he's going to break under pressure, man. <laughs> When it comes time to chop that tree, he's going to balk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, he created what he called the acti activity vector analysis, which is a checklist of adjectives on which he asked people to indicate descriptions that were accurate about themselves. So basically what this guy did was, he I mean, he was an industrial psychologist. He was literally creating these personality tests to fit worker bees into classifications and basically to put them in bubbles right mm. so that, again we're kind of getting into this like the meeting of like capitalism and personality testing yeah too bad the online test they don't allow write-in answers you know? <laughs> it's like all of them it's just like alpha male alpha male alpha male alpha male <laughs> put one sensitive in there just to like balance it out a little bit just to make it look like you're not totally gaming the test right sensitive emo dude alpha male so yeah so basically the disc assessment was just designed to to sort worker bees into their various parts of the hive so let's let's go into what we scored on the disc assessment okay so i got apparently i have a blend of both supportive and cautious traits wow yeah Whoa, okay, we scored the opposite on this test. Okay, so what did you come out with? I love as? that that happened, because it just shows how shitty these tests yeah, are. Right, <laughs> I know. 
We're like exactly the same on the Myers-Briggs and exactly <laughs> opposite on the DISC test. Right? I love it. Okay. Okay. So I was a DI. Wow. You're okay. So I was an SC and you were a DI. Yeah. yeah it's about yeah. as opposite as it can get. So DI is like directive. It's like, do- I think it's dominant. Dominant. Like there I don't think go. of myself as a dominant person, but I found the test to be really weird. Yeah. For example, the questions, the way that they're composed is often, it's like, are you both A and B? Oh, or that's right. Are you C and D? That's right. It's and a, you would look at them and you'd be like, well, I'm kind of this, yeah, but I'm not quite it's that. It's really hard. Like, yeah. Just an example. Like This is the first question. It is, in my work environment, it is most important to me, ellipses, A, to help coworkers be in a peaceful environment, B, to feel that my coworkers admire me and to fe- and to be free from rigid rules. Okay. C to know exactly what is expected of me and to finish one task before moving to another. D to get things done and to see results. So all of those were blank and blank, yeah. and you might have identified with the first half of A and the second half of C. Yeah, but exactly. you can't do that. No, it's like you you kind of have to eat the whole package, as right. it were. It's obnoxious. Yeah. I don't know. I I agree. I found the methodology to be kind of bizarre and frustrating. One of the options on one of the questions was, I'll do it if it makes others think more highly of me. (laughs) And it's just like, who with any amount of self-respect is going to put that down on the standardized test? Exactly. It's kind of like... Even though it might be true, like who would mark it? It's kind of like taking a test to work at a bank and having one of the questions be would you rob this bank (laughs) right are you a total sucker or like (laughs) it's like who's gonna answer honestly to that question you know you know what it reminds me of Hmm. actually this this happened when i was uh applying for my u.s citizenship Mm, there's a question on the citizenship test which is something along the lines of like would you or have you ever plotted the overthrow of the united states government (laughs) right now like what person who wants to pass wait this is a trick question (laughs) a true american is a revolutionary and would have thought of it (laughs) Right, but would have ultimately decided, whatever. So, but it's like, who's going to say yes? I don't know. Is this like a very basic intelligence test? I don't know. Like, who who in their right mind is going to say yes to that oh question? Oh, my God. We should do the next show on that test, man. Oh, we should, oh that test was a doozy, my uh, friend. It yeah. really was a doozy. So, yeah, in conclusion, I think we both found the DISC test to be highly suspect. And I'm not even really sure, like, what do I get out of it? So some words that describe me based on the DISC test are helpful, kind, logical, and methodical, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, I am all of those things in some ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that necessarily is like, those are the governing principles by which I do my work, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go that far. Right. Um, I, th- I think both of these tests tended to frame whatever category you ended up in as being like really positive things. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I ended up scoring more on the like intuitive, emotional side mm-hmm. on the Myers-Briggs than I thought. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny because I think of my values as being like a little bit more toward being calculating and like thoughtful, like really like hard thinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it like it definitely framed the results in this like really kind of weird, like mystical way where it was like. Oh, yeah, like, you're not a super hard thinker, but, like, you are, like, super in tune with all the crazy energies. Like, it was, like, not quite that extreme, but it was yeah. something, like, along those lines. And I was yeah. just like, uh, this isn't making me feel very confident. When it gave you your, sco- like, your result on the disc test, yeah. do you remember the sentence that it said, like, what it, when it told you what you were? Because um, I, I screenshotted mine, mm-hmm. and it said, Robin, comma, your at work disc style is D slash I mm. period. That's fantastic exclamation point. And I just found that to be it's like my confidence in the scientific nature of this test was just totally undermined by this like really it's just like, like affirming yeah. statement. <laughs> like, Go get him, Robin. <laughs> I'm just yeah. wondering if they have different phrases for like each type where it's like it's like supposed to make that since you're an SC, maybe it's like good. you're amazing instead of 
that's fantastic, you know? I don't know. So, Robin, what's your takeaway here after us having done these personality tests and talked about them? I think they're really ambitious test. Yeah. Overly so. They're trying to categorize our personalities overall, which in reality, we have different personalities in different contexts, right? Mm -hmm. So just like off the top of my head, there's a professional context and there's a certain way I want to, there's certain values I have in that context, which aren't the same values I have when I'm in a social context. When I'm in a romantic or intimate context, I have different values. When I'm by myself, I have different values and ways of interacting with Mm -hmm. myself, right? Mm -hmm. And of thinking. Mm -hmm. So how do we encapsulate all of that and do a single test? One of the questions on the Myers-Briggs was, or at least the Myers-Briggs-based test, because it wasn't the official one, was when looking for a movie to watch, you can spend ages browsing the catalog. And I have yet to meet someone who can't, who doesn't do this, but maybe (laughs) like... (laughs) I'm surprised it didn't say Netflix. Like, I'm <laughs> that's true. Like, who goes into Netflix and they're just like, "Ooh, yeah!" Like, like to me, that just right says low that. standards. Like, that doesn't have anything to do. Like, <laughs> well, maybe that is a personality type. You're the maybe you're the, you're a low standards basic consumer, Robin. <laughs> yep. Okay. You know what this made me realize? Uh-huh. There are two personality tests so far which have had some merit for me. Mm. The first one was the um, the love language yeah. test. Okay, yeah. That one has been pretty right on for me. Made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. My Definitely my top love language is like physical me affection. Too. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And surprisingly, my second one, I thought it would be words of affirmation, but it's actually not. What is it? It's um, it's like a quality time. That's my second one too. All right. <laughs> Put it right here. Yeah, see? <laughs> That's hilarious. So maybe we are more similar than, than we thought. And you now, know, maybe there's more to a name than we thought. Could be, yeah. could be, you know? But that was one where I don't know why. So maybe there are people out there who are just like, this test is garbage. Mm-hmm. It didn't take into account all of these other things that are part of my love language, you know? But for me, when I took that, I was like, huh, okay, yeah. That, yeah. This really, it was very clear to me. Yep. Yeah why I valued what I valued and and taking that test really did help me to get clear about like oh like I'm not feeling good in this romantic relationship why is that right right and then and it's also been helpful like with with my partner her love languages are a little bit different than mine and it's really helpful for me to remember that because maybe I go out of my way a little bit to Mm -hmm. like give her more verbal affirmation because that's her top one Mm -hmm. so words are really important so Mm -hmm. It's, it's really important for me to just be like, I love you, sweetie. I'm committed to you. Mm-hmm. This relationship's great. You mm-hmm. know, then she like sleeps at night and she's mm-hmm. like, this is awesome. This is working for him, right? So I really liked that one a lot. I, I'm 100% with you. Yeah. I love that test because it's focused on a particular aspect of, mm-hmm. our, of our lives mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how we are in all arenas. That's true. I was talking to a friend today about the big five. She brought it up. Yeah. And... She mentioned that one of the five qualities was eroticism. Oh, interesting. But I had misheard her. It was actually neuroticism. And I was temporarily like really excited. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome that this test is focusing on this really specific arena of our Mm -hmm. lives. That's really important to most Mm -hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And that is trying to like figure that part out as well as these other parts, right? Because I think... Figuring out how we are in all these different arenas is just, it's too hard for yeah. one test to do. It's its silly. I agree. And so that, that really excited me, this idea of like figuring out, love languages is even more broad than eroticism because eroticism right. is like your long, sexual long style, right? Yeah. It's like, what, what are you into in the bedroom and what's your style and blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was really a cool thing to think about. And I would kind of wonder if there's a test out there now like for that. Like an erotic style yeah. test? Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> but love sure. languages is like, a good stepping stone to that you know it kind of figures out the broader picture of how you work in romantic relationships and what yeah. your in terms of your interaction with your partner and what's important to you yeah the other one now you're probably just going to shake your head at this and i'm not like 
I'm not hanging my hat on this or anything, but I have found a surprising amount of validity to astrology. All right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's one of those things where I'm not one of these people who like every time I meet someone, I need to ask them their birthday and I'm, you know, calculating and blah, 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 blah. But I have really noticed that I identify very strongly with my sun sign, which is Libra. Mm-hmm. And also when I've calculated out my planets, I identify very strongly with those as well. Can't believe I'm doing a podcast with a heathen. <laughs> I, I know, right? Just throw it all out. So again, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying astrology is here or there. Like, it, it, like, for example, I actually had a potential employer do an, an astrology reading for me and they didn't hire me. So it makes me wonder if, if, no it, if I didn't way. pass the test, right? So I wouldn't do anything like that. But I've just kind of anecdotally for my own interest, I track it sometimes. And yeah, I've found a, some amount of correlation there. Mm-hmm. I had someone do a chart for me. Mm-hmm. And until then, I was really skeptical of it. And then she sent me a chart that she did herself and i was really impressed actually yeah with how accurate it was and uh-huh. it like made me introspect a little bit but i can't really go into any more depth than that because it's been a long time since that happened sure. but sure that was one of the things that made me suggest this show topic actually oh really yeah. okay well and so here's the thing like i've heard people say this before where they'll be like, yeah, well, you know, astrology, of course it works on everyone because it's all phrased in a way. It's like it's all ego reinforcing. And so... Well, you know, all of these tests are. They, well, they are, right? Yeah. And so that's the thing. And and so people argue that they're kind of designed inherently to make you believe them, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of it's phrased positively, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I have to say... Like reading the results of the Myers-Briggs or the DISC assessment or, you know, the five personalities one, I didn't really have that feeling of like, oh, this test gets me, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas like with astrology, I kind of did. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, this this really feels resonant. And when I read Mm -hmm. the other astrological descriptions of signs that aren't mine, they just don't click as much, right? Yeah. So like... Who knows? Who knows what's there? But right. I just, I, I thought that was interesting to contrast because mm-hmm. like I didn't, I kind of want to throw that argument out the window. The whole idea that like you only believe astrology because it's phrased in a certain way to make you want to believe it. Yeah. Well, I tested that a little bit with the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. because there's the test I took, we both took was you fall into one of 16 categories plus the fifth fifth thing, which actually makes it 32 if you're um, T or A. But I went and browsed the other ones just to see if I outright just identified with any of the others. And yeah. many of them were like borderline, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I could totally yeah, kind of see I'm myself kinda, doing that. that one yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but when they're all positively phrased, like we don't have any categories that are like, you know, you're lazy and worthless. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like the asshole category, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're like, where's that category? You know, like... <laughs> we all know it exists. <laughs> so aside from that, aside from everything being phrased positively, there's also not a way to sabotage the test, which I feel yeah, like there should be. Yeah, yeah, Right? Like you have four axes in the Myers-Briggs, and you're either you know, toward one end or the other on all of those axes. And so let's say there's eight questions that ask whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, right? You could answer four of those questions extroverted and four of them introverted, and you're going to end up in the middle. Mm-hmm. But there's several different ways that you could answer 50-50. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to account for the nuance of which half of those questions you answer extroverted versus introverted. Yes, Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's also no way to you could you could be totally contradictory. Let's say that they ask the same question but with different phrasings, and if you answer them differently, it'll just be like, eh, okay, you're like in the middle. But it really means that you just don't know yourself, like, or you just aren't aren't consistent in how you perceive and describe yourself. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I think that and that that these tests should be breakable. There should be results that are invalid right all the test says look you disagreed with yourself what's up yeah what's going on yep. there yep. right instead yep. of just kind of averaging it out right yep it should be like yo you got work to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Because honestly, I probably fall in that category. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that, you know, exactly. I feel like any test that's too easy to game, right? Or mm-hmm. any test which uh, which doesn't account for the way in which someone's answering the questions, mm-hmm. it's just, it's failing for me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think I would be a lot more compelled to take a test that I felt had really nailed that. Or like, um, okay, like for example, you know those OkCupid okay tests? Like you answer like a mm-hmm. hundred questions on your profile or whatever. I think that those are, are somewhat interesting. Hundred, because... come on, like three, four hundred. <laughs> well, You're that's a slacker. A, that's as far as I got. I know, man, exactly. <laughs> but what I liked about those was that I just got to see my reaction to very specific scenarios, right? Mm. And that taught me a lot. Yeah. You know, I was like, how likely am I to have sex on the first date right? on the dating app? How... Like, right? Like versus, like, let's say it's a professional survey, like. <laughs> Your your next bo- your next uh, job interview is like well we're gonna have you fill out this OK Cupid survey right, right. that would be hilarious <laughs> which kind of brings me to the fact that I think I learned a lot more about myself taking these tests than anyone else learned about mm-hmm. me and so that that's kind of my takeaway is that I think like if you sit down at one of these tests and you watch yourself taking it. And, and you really use that as a basis for trying to figure out how you actually are. Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. It's yeah. kind of useful, you know. I want to add that listeners should take our takeaway with a grain of salt because we scored very similarly on the test. Yeah, that's There true. might be reason to believe that we're similar personalities if these tests are valid. Mm. And that, as we pointed out at the beginning of the show we have an aversion to being put in boxes and categorized <laughs> and that we have kind of a natural rebellion to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's more validity than we think, but I think we're both a little bit skeptical about the takeaway of both the Myers-Briggs and the DISC test. Definitely. Uh, that, But we're both the same person, it turns out. So, you know, so got to get more samples. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I would be interested, any of you guys who have thoughts about this or take any of these tests, let us know. You know. I would love to hear. Send an email. Join us in our Discord server. Um, I, this is one topic in particular where I would really love to hear from mm-hmm. our listeners and just get some get some other hot Definitely. takes. Definitely, and this got a lot more personal too. And, you know, <laughs> I, I let some hot takes out there that I'm not. I'm, maybe I'll regret when I. <laughs> well, if. If you object to Robin's logger, I would love to hear about you it. Can, yeah, yeah, you can write about that. Tell too. me how I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of Listening Glass. If you've enjoyed this show, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends and on social media. Your word of mouth means a lot to us and is a way you can help our humble podcast grow. Find us on our Twitter handle at Listening Glass. You can leave feedback there or by emailing us at listeningglasscast at gmail.com. Join the ongoing discussion in our community by joining our Discord server, linked in our episode description. This episode features the track This in Sitter by Mac Woodruff, the track Dr. Boshef, Penguin Dentist by Kneebody, and also the track Lipton Service Boy by Eero Johannes. We're incredibly grateful to these artists for letting us feature their work. Find more information about them in the episode description. Mm-hmm.